It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with a quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll get immediately. He got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seats Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME to get yourself up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And this is XNO Quick Hits with the host of our great film show, Turn on the Jets TV. And the show, of course, is called TOJ Film Room. The host is Joe Blewett. Joe, I have a feeling that you're doing a lot better than normal this week. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot more fun to uh, watch Sam Darnold in a competent offense, which is you know an absolute shocker to some fans that the offense would look a lot better without a practice squad quarterback behind a not so good offensive line. Um, so yeah, it was definitely fun to do it. Uh, I have about thirty plays up right now on my Twitter. I'm about to record a show right after this, um, so that will be up, which I think will be yesterday at this point uh, when you're listening to this podcast. So a uh, YouTube show is up. Um, the Twitter, the film review is almost done on there as well. So check that out. But yeah, it's definitely uh, a good time to watch this type of football instead of, uh, games where we're lucky to get two, three first downs in the entire game. So uh, it's definitely a good time. I should note, by the way, for anybody that has noticed the sound quality, I apologize. We were having some technical difficulties. So I'm actually doing this on the phone and Joe is in the studio. So it's the reverse roles as normal, but we will chug ahead and do a great show this week because as you said, Joe, Sam Darnold was the story. Boy, oh boy, was he something else on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. And the thing that stood out to me was not only the fact that he was reading the field so well, something that we didn't see Luke Falk do, let's be honest, ever. The fact that he was moving smoothly in and out of the pocket. The fact that his mechanics, while off at times, he was still able to make some incredible throws. And that was one thing that we talked about a lot, Joe, after the Jets drafted him out of USC. The fact that he's a rare quarterback that can make perfect throws with bad footwork. We saw him falling backwards. We saw his feet all messed up, and he was still making great throws. But above all of that, what we saw is the same guy that we saw at the end of the season last year against Houston, against Green Bay. So talk to me about this. Give me the nitty-gritty. What did you see when you watched the film on the returning Sam Darnold? Yeah, it was it was exciting, and this is why it was kind of funny after, you know, week one where he struggled against one of the best defenses in the NFL, and we figured out they had Mono and potentially been strep throat. He just looked off, um, just like many quarterbacks on us, like Brady has, has done, and uh, people were really down on Sam Darnold, which was quite, you know, just it was crazy to be honest and um you thought that coming to this year that he would extend what he did at the end of last year uh you know versus the bills versus the packers versus the texans and versus the patriots but you know specifically the the, the texans game and the packers game were just absolutely fantastic and he looked like the same quarterback he did um those games like you said you know his pocket movement his vision uh the reads he was making both pre and post snap hot reads his eyes uh continuing to be downfield even with pressure some pressure you know um, in his face, you know, the pocket collapsing or the pocket getting pushed, um, going through his progressions quick, really quick release, throwing off, uh, you know, a platform, his accuracy, the zip on his balls, the poise that he has. Uh, it was, it was incredible. Um, there's many specific, there's a lot of plays I'm going to bring up. Uh, I might, I might be recording a four hour podcast because I have like 38 Sam Darnold plays I want to show. Um, <laughs> now there was that, now there was a bad player too, uh, maybe three or four that weren't perfect um you know one specific example is rpo in the red zone where he doesn't he's you know he's not handing the ball or he doesn't hand the ball off um to bell because the he thinks the linebacker um you know is going to blitz through the or or, you know run stuff through the a or b gap um, which he doesn't do and then he kind of pulls the ball away and is looking to deep uh, demarius thomas where he's open but he doesn't hit him 
Um, and then he kind of just ends up chucking the ball away. So there's like kind of, there's some examples of him being a little bit tentative, um, which is not, you know, it's not, it's not a normal occurrence for Sam Donald, but uh, let's say, you know, 40 out of the 45 plays he made were just, were fantastic. Like you said, and like I've said, you know, checking um, multiple things. You saw in the Robbie Anderson 92 yard touchdown pass where they have a motion and he sees the safety rotation. He calls something out to his wide receivers. It's you know, almost impossible to know. And then he ends up hitting, you know, uh, Robbie Anderson on a 92 yard touchdown where he had to step uh, to avoid some pressure from his, or step up and, you know, his, up and to his left to uh, to slide and avoid pressure from his right side. I think it was Demarcus Lawrence who was trying to bend the edge, you know, from from Truma Adoga uh, and chucks a ball in a pretty good location. Could have been a little bit better, but it's still how he had to throw that ball fifty yards down the field is really impressive. Um, you know, on the goal line throwing a touchdown pass to to Griffin, noticing that the slot cornerback uh, might blitz throwing the ball to his, 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 you know, the backside of Griffin instead of leading him because that's where the safety was coming from. A great job by Griffin as well, but that was pre to post snap read, seeing that the, you know, the corner might blitz and then recognizing it and recognizing that, that Griffin had off uh, coverage and, and th- uh, delivering the ball uh, quickly to him. That, uh, that wheel route to, to Jamison Crowder on that one uh, pick play was, was amazing. Uh, there was a couple of throws in the game too, where um, he made it, but it was either dropped or there was, um, you know, for other extinguishing, uh, other circumstances, sorry, uh, that the ball was not caught like the one time they ran a sale concept to the right side. And Robbie Anderson was actually open, but he got bumped by, I forget if it was a, a Cowboys cornerback or a another Jets wide receiver that made Robbie Anderson slow down a little bit where it would have been a fantastic throw, almost like we saw uh, with the Patriots um, week 17 where he threw that ball to Deontay Burnett on the right sideline. Um, it looked, you know, kind of like that, but the ball was just, you know, barely incomplete. So uh, he looked exactly like he did um, last year. And this is, it's, this is what we saw at USC and this is what we broke down. This is what I broke down last year. And seeing this at only 22 years old, um, second year, you know, into the NFL with, let's be honest, you know, some good talent around him. It's definitely, you know, trending upwards. But if you give him this talent, you maybe give him another receiver, you give him a better offensive line. Uh, this is why, you know, I specifically and, you know, among others, including you, Scott, thought that he could be, you know, a top five, top 10 quarterback. And, and he is on that uh, trajectory right now. So, Joe, I think if Sam Donald plays like this, the Jets could be competitive against anybody in the league, including the Patriots this Monday night. And that's why you might want to get in on the action and bet the Jets plus the points at mybookie.ag because, like I said, if Sam Darnold can play like this against the Patriots, I have a strong feeling at home the Jets are going to be able to cover the spread. You can bet on prop bets, too, if you like. You can bet on how many touchdowns Sam Darnold's going to throw how many interceptions the Jets secondary is going to get. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, I have a feeling that if there's any interceptions, it'll probably be Jamal Adams or Marcus May because I don't have a whole lot of faith in the corners. You can bet on whether or not Le'Veon Bell is going to have his first 100-yard rushing game this season. All that and more. Plus, you can bet on all the games around the league as well. And if you use the promo code OVERTIME when you sign up, they will double your first deposit. That's right. They will match your first deposit when you use the promo code OVERTIME when you sign up at mybookie.ag. Mybookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. And Joe, as I said, Sam Darnold plays like this. This team can be competitive against any team in the league. The one thing that I noticed that a lot of people are not talking about, as much as we've been down on Adam Gase, and I don't think he did a great job, although you and I have both agreed that it's not really fair to judge him based on what he did with Luke Falk, I think there were some questions that needed to be answered. I think that there were a lot of play designs and a lot of concepts that Adam Gase was doing that really played to Sam Donald's strength. And I think that we began to see why people thought this might be a solid marriage, even if Gase isn't necessarily a good head coach, why he would be good for Sam Donald's development and quarterback. Did you see any of that when you watched the film? Yeah, it's funny because I heard people after the game and, you know, Twitter and all that stuff and saying, you know, I was shocked that, that the Jets were more aggressive. And I'm like, really? Like how do you how do you expect the Jets not to be more aggressive when you have Sam Darnold versus uh, Luke Falk? Who um, the concepts when you had Luke Falk had to be simple because he's a one read type quarterback. So really, you know, simple things like slant, flat, and and flat sevens, and just like really, really simple, um, you know kind of two read type things or even one read type things uh screen passes which we did see some more screen passes you know um this game but there's some things that were eliminated from the offense including you know play action uh, was a little bit eliminated when you had Luke Falk because 
you know, play action, you're obviously turning your back to the defense. And Luke Falk's a guy who needs every single second he possibly can to uh, to read that defense because um, he's just not a good quarterback. He's not a very smart quarterback. You know, not to dump on the guy. He's a practice squad type guy. He should have been in the situation he was really in. But uh, you saw the playbook open up. You saw more deep shots. You saw sale concepts. You saw drive concepts. Um, you saw some more play action. You saw obviously more deep shots with that stutter and go. So the, the offense opened up. Um, that's the reason we saw, you know, just on the first play, 17 yard completion. Uh, we saw 92 yard completion. We saw plenty of 10 plus, um, yard completions where it was just, it was incredible. And you're talking about the Jets over the last couple of weeks, their quarterback was averaging like 2.2 yards per play or whatever preposterous stat it was. And then with Sam Darnold, um, you have 10.6 yards was his average, uh, you know, throw per attempt. So that's, that's pretty ridiculous for what the Jets have been, you know, um, you know, kind of running into the last couple of weeks where Donald was out of the game. So, uh, Adam Gase definitely called, um, a really, really good game, uh, specifically late in that fourth quarter where I believe it was, uh, 20, 20, I think it was 21 to 16 at that point. And they opened up with a, with a deep shot to, uh, to Crowder. It, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a 92 yard touchdown or, um, even a, you know, a nine route or vertical route or anything like that or a post, but, um, it was a deeper concept where Donald was able to hit Crowder for, uh, 20 yards or so, which, you know, eventually put the Jets in field goal position and, uh, and, you know, won them the game. So, uh, Gase got more aggressive. Everybody, the, I, the, the noise on Adam Gase is a lot more quiet right now, Scott. And, you know, that was the thing that we discussed after watching, after I watched his offense and I watched it with Marcus Coleman and there were some concepts that we were really, really impressed with. Um, and it was never the, the play calling um, and the actual plays that were that were an issue. Um, now there will be a play here and there. No coach is, is perfect. Um, not even Bill Belichick. Not even Brady. None of these guys are perfect. There's always a play or two um, that guys would be, you know, wanting to take back. Um, but you know, overall, he still is definitely a, a good offensive coordinator. And the questions are around you know him in the locker room, uh, some of his roster management, things like that. But in terms of his actual offense, it was definitely uh, you know very very impressive this week. And I think it will uh, continue. And that's versus a Cowboys team who is a pretty solid team. Uh, hopefully, they could they could put up some points versus the the Patriots this week because uh, the Patriots offense has been struggling a little bit. But then after that, uh, you know, we'll. we'll and you have to look at this con- in context too. Uh, obviously, the first couple of a uh, couple of games they had Falk and they had backup quarterbacks playing versus really good teams. Now they have Donald versus a good defense or solid defense of the Cowboys. Now you have them going up against the number one defense in the in the NFL. So if they you know struggle a little bit uh, when they're not lighting the world on fire, you know let's not panic. But after that, now you're looking at teams like the Bengals and the Dolphins and the Giants and the Redskins where they're really going to flourish. So I'm really excited to see where this offense goes and how they you know develop together because, you know, Donald and Gates have only had, you know, two games together. And one of those games, the quarterback had mono. So I'm excited to see the chemistry they develop in the field they get for each other because it's pretty clear that, you know, Adam Gates is giving Donald those uh, check with me's where, like we've discussed before, it's basically just a few plays um, that if you see, okay, if you see cover three, let's go to a cover three beater. If you see man, let's go to a man beater. If you see, you know, they're stacking the box, we'll go to a pass. If they're if they're playing light in the box, we'll go to a run. Things like that, and it seems to be working very well because every time that Donald was checking, um, you know, at the line or checking to his wide receivers, the play would work. So uh, the marriage definitely looks good at, at you know at this point. Joe, one thing that you and I talked about on the show last week is the fact that. Luke Falk made the offensive line look worse than they are. Now, the offensive line is bad, but I think the fact that Luke Falk was holding on to the ball so long made them look even worse. And I think Donald proved that because the offensive line wasn't exactly the bane of everybody's existence at the end of the game against the Cowboys. You didn't hear a ton of complaints about the offensive line because Donald was able to release the ball much quicker. He was more decisive. He was moving in and out of the pocket using his feet. but I did see some problems with the offensive line, and I want to see what you saw when you looked at the film. Again, I'm going to be very clear. I didn't watch the film intently of the offensive line. I'm just going based on my own game observation. But I want to see if what you saw in the film backs up what I saw watching the game live. I thought that Chumadoga struggled at times, but for the most part was okay for a guy making his second NFL start. I thought Beecham was pretty solid when he was in which is a nice upgrade from what he's been most of the season so far. Brandon Shell was not super impressive to me when he came in. He got destroyed, particularly on one play. So far this season, Alex Lewis has looked to me to be by far the most impressive offensive lineman on that unit. 
I hope he stays in there. I know Coleccio Assemble is hurt, but even if Assemble comes back at some point, I hope that Lewis stays in there for the foreseeable future. And he's not that old. I think he's only 28 or 29, so maybe he's a guy that could be a guard for the long haul. I thought Winters was okay, and I thought that Khalil once again struggled. He had that really bad penalty, and he didn't look super strong. I know that there are people saying that he's playing better than some of us believe, but he's still been a big disappointment as far as I'm concerned. What do you think about my observations, and what did you see when you watched the film concerning the offensive line? Uh, yeah, they definitely took a step in, in the right direction. Alex Lewis uh, looks like the Jets' best offensive lineman, which is a real good find um, for uh, Joe Douglas. And it seemed like Alex Lewis and his, his question throughout his career wasn't really – it wasn't really his play. It was he's battled some injuries. That's so always going to be a concern, but he's definitely stepped in um, very, very well the last couple of weeks. So he was definitely really, really impressive. Uh, I think Beecham – when he was in the game, uh, definitely looked a, a little bit better. And I don't know if it's just dude; they just look better and more, con- you know, uh, cohesive as, as a unit, which might come as, you know, them playing a little bit longer together and them getting the blocking scheme down. Also, might come with with Donald, you know, checking them the correct way, um, sliding the protection in the right way, uh, throwing out the right gap protection. So that definitely may help them. But uh, Beecham, I thought looked okay, which is a positive. Um, like I said, Chumodogo, he looked okay. Um, which I think is good for what he is. You know, you, you kind of said he looked, he looked just, I don't know how you worded it, but I actually think he looked okay, which is actually good for, for what he is because I don't care what the rankings were. I heard his rankings weren't good, but he's going against, you know, Lawrence, who's one of the top flight edge rushers in the league, and he held them up. Uh, to have what, like one, t- and I know he didn't play on Adoga every single play, but he definitely did rush against Adoga, and there was times where, yeah, sure, um, you know, yeah, sure. He had to step up in the pocket to avoid Lawrence, who was trying to, you know, bend the edge, you know, around to get to Darnold. Um, but he also didn't let up those sacks. So yeah, Darnold had to adjust a little bit. But for a guy who was, you know, a, a third round pick and is in his first year, a young kid, um, to take over and start against one of the you know, premier edge rushers in the league, he was definitely impressive. And it was kind of, you know, funny last week. People are, you know, complaining. Oh well, I don't get the Adoga moving. Why would they bench Shell? Shell has been absolutely terrible, and we discussed it all the time, Scott. And that's why um, they wanted to replace him. And Adogo looked better than Shell would last last game. Um, if he was in a right, you know, right tackle against the Marcus Lawrence, for that uh, that's for sure. And then you have Shell who comes in. I forget exactly when Beecham went down, but Beecham went down, and then Shell has a. Uh, I know he had one penalty. I forget if it was holding or what it was. But he had a penalty. Then he also had um, a sack allowed, where he had some miscommunication. It seemed like with uh, Lewis, where he carried a. Um, defensive lineman edge, you know, too far into Lewis. And then there was a, uh, another defensive lineman or, or safety or whoever it was blitzing off the edge. Um, and he allowed a sack there. So, uh, Shell didn't look good when he came in, but, you know, overall, like I said, Beecham, uh, Lewis, uh, Adoga, they all get, you know, plus grades. I think Winters, you know, he played okay. Um, not terrible, which is, you know, a positive. And then Khalil again. Uh, he did, you know, I, I think he technically did let up a sat, uh, or sack by stats, but it was actually a time where Donald held onto the ball too long, in, in my opinion. Uh, but he got another penalty, uh, I believe, on another long completion. So he was up and down. But I think overall, from week one to now week six, he's taking very slow steps in the right direction, which is a positive uh, for the offensive line. So, uh, yeah, they, they weren't you know, great. They, they aren't the Cowboys and they're healthy, which by the way, it's funny to hear Cowboys fans complaining about injuries. And then you look at the Jets roster where they've, where they've, uh, and, you know, uh, encountered over the last couple of weeks. And even in this game, they had a bunch of injuries as well and guys who weren't playing. Um, but overall, yeah, the offensive line took steps in the right direction. That's, that's part Sam Darnold. That's, I think that's part them playing longer together. I think that's part, you know, Alex Lewis playing better at left guard than, than Clutch Osamele was playing at left guard. Uh, I think that's part of, you know, Adoga coming in and playing better than, than Shell um, was. And it's funny to, like I said, to hear people giving Adoga praise uh, this week. But last week, people were floored that he was in the game. And I think it was actually the correct move to make because Shell, um, you know, in some games he's, he's okay. And in some games he's the weakest point of the Jets offensive line. It depends on the matchup he gets. But Adoga, uh, seems like he, he's locked down that starting right tackle job, at least for uh, the near future. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. 
They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Joe, I want to ask you about the skill position players because we saw all these wide receivers making an impact, and even the tight end, Ryan Griffin, who is going to be relegated to backup once Christopher Herndon returns, which we're hoping as of this recording will be against the Patriots on Monday night, but we don't know for sure. But he had an impact. Demarius Thomas had an impact. So did Crowder and Robbie Anderson. And then Le'Veon Bell, he had a bit of a quiet day, but he had some moments here and there. I want to ask you about these guys because we talked about the film the last couple of weeks. And what you kept saying and what I kept seeing when I watched it myself was a lot of times these guys would be open and Luke Falk wouldn't see them where he would panic and hold the ball too long and get sacked. Or he would just check down to Le'Veon Bell, who was covered, and Le'Veon Bell would either get tackled for a loss or a very marginal gain. Well, Sam Darnold saw the field. And he saw these guys open, and it looked to me like the entire offense transformed because of that. Because now all of a sudden, instead of these guys basically being relegated to doing nothing, now they were able to produce positive plays on a lot of instances. So talk to me a little bit about what you saw from the receivers and Ryan Griffin, and then tell me a little bit about what you saw from Le'Veon Bell. Like I said, it wasn't exactly a gaudy stats day. But that, to me, seemed to be more a product of the emphasis on Sam Donald in the passing game and a little bit of the de-emphasis on Le'Veon Bell, who they probably, let's be honest, overused a little bit the last couple of weeks out of necessity. Yeah, it was it was nice to see uh, Powell and, and Montgomery get a little bit more run. I think they should continue to do that to you know, preserve uh, Le'Veon Bell because he's not going to be a guy who's just one and done here. I think he's going to be here for year two and maybe even year three. So I like to see them use those guys a little bit more. But yeah, the Cowboys were still low in the box uh, for the most part, which did open up the passing game. Um, and he looked good. Uh, he had plenty of plays where he's juking guys out. He juked uh, Van Der Esch out of his shoes um, on that draw play on third and long, which looked really nice. He's still stiff arming guys. He's he's patient. He's uh, you know uh, choosing the right gaps at the right times. Um, running low, we saw the touchdown run. Um, which was really nice of him, you know, displaying some power driving forward and then, you know, you know, savvy move by a veteran knowing how to, you know, keep his knees up for as long as he possibly can and reach out for the goal line, which it actually did look like a touchdown. Even, you know, on the broadcast, you know, watching it back, they did say, okay, well, you're not really too sure you can't really overturn it. But on my, by my view, when his knee actually did touch the ground, the ball was definitely at the, you know, at that plane. So, um, yeah, really nice play by him. Uh, good in pass protection. So, uh, Bell is Bell is he's still one of the best running backs in the league. And like I said, once once the passing game opens up more, um, I think you'll 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 start to see him rip off some you know more 10, 20 yard gains because right now it's you know it's it's a stacked box, so um, it's hard for him to to get a lot of room. So his stats aren't fantastic, but I think they definitely will open up um, when that passing game opens up. And next, you know, especially next year when the Jets, you know, inevitably get some more offensive linemen, he'll definitely have some more um, rush. Lane, so he's been um, a huge asset to this team. The wide receivers are it, it was it was crazy. You know, after last last week it was you know Ryan Griffin shouldn't play at all. Uh, Demarius Thomas should be cut. He was a complete 
um, you know, bust of a trade, uh, traded, you know, Robbie Anderson for a third or fourth round pick, which I, th- I think is absolutely ridiculous. If you see Michael Nani is one of his recent stats, it was, you know, over the last six games, he's got this many yards. And if you, you know, uh, take that over 16 games, he would have like 1400 yards, 11 touchdowns, 85 receptions. Robbie Anderson's a very solid receiver in, in the NFL. Is he a true X where, you know, he could, he could run underneath stuff and, uh, just as well as, as the stuff over top and, you know, get, uh, catch, uh, you know, contested balls consistently, things like that. No, not necessarily, but he's one of the best, if not one of, uh, well, I'll say one of the best. Him, Tyree Kill, some other guys are some of the best deep uh, threats in the NFL, which is, you know, in, invaluable to um, an, an offense to open up the, the underneath things. And we're not even talking about, you know, uh, Chris Herndon yet, who, who is not going to be back for this week, most likely. But Rob Anderson played really well. Um, there was a catch or two that I think he should have made that he, that he didn't make. Um, but that 92-yard touchdown pretty much made up for everything. Uh, that was a huge turning point in the game. The Jets get a huge stuff on fourth and two and then hit him for, the, for that long touchdown. So he played well. Uh, Demarius Thomas, he that, that one route that the Eagles game where he dropped the ball, um, yeah, it, it didn't look good that he dropped the ball, but he actually ran a really good route, good hand usage, all those things. So he dropped it, but the route was actually good, and he's been getting open, and guys just haven't been been, uh, been finding him. I don't know exactly what his stats were. I forget exactly what they were, but um, he had a, a decent amount of, of you know relatively big uh, big plays, 17, 20-yard gains. Um, in the end zone, he, he drew that uh, – that pass interference call on Byron Jones, which shut, which shut up the Jets on, I think, their first touchdown um, of the game where he gets inside of Byron Jones on a slant and then Byron Jones end up, ends up holding his left arm down or pulling his left bicep down and drawing the, the pass interference penalty. So uh, Demarius Thomas looked good. And then, and then Crowder is he, – he's him and Donald definitely have a real connection and you're going to see him produce a lot. Um, five, six catches for 90-something yards. Uh, he's definitely looked good when Donald's in there, really shifty route runner, smart route runner, um, you know, relatively good hands. So the receiving core looked a lot better than it has in the last couple of weeks, but it's, it's, it's a surprise to some, which I think is ridiculous, but it shouldn't be a surprise. You have a better quarterback. Yeah, the receivers are going to look better when, you know, they can get hit, you know, more than five yards down the field because, uh, you know, Donald can can read the field. He could, you know, go, go through his progressions quickly, uh, read left, read middle, read right, read left, and not panic where a guy like Luke Falk, he reads left, it's not there. He panics and just checks it down to somebody. Um, you know, that's why Le'Veon Bell had like 47 million catches over the first couple of weeks. But, yeah, the receivers look good. Um, they don't have that Julio Jones. They're not a top-flight group in the NFL. Um but going into the season, we thought they could be, you know, solid, maybe a little bit above average. And that's with Anunwa, who's now replaced by Demarius Thomas. But I, I think they're, you know, right around an average to maybe a, a slightly above average group, which is which is fine with a quarterback like Donald. You just have to give them capable weapons, which they all are. And they showed that they were this week um, to be, you know, more than capable at times. So uh, it was definitely an, an impressive attic for the for the receiving core as well. And uh, that's including Ryan Griffin, who, like I said, people wanted to get rid of. Um, and we discussed it and I showed on my on my review that I did of him on the podcast that he's a guy who, you know, he's a solid backup receiving um, tight end. And, you know, there was that one driver, I believe he got all of his reception, uh, receptions, but he had one reception over the middle, um, which he had a really nice catch where, where Donald uh, led him to the inside away from a linebacker, which is really nice. He had another uh, reception where he, where he breaks, uh, you know, tackle to get a first down. Then he had the other one on the goal line where Donald hits on the back hip. He bobbles it, but is able to catch it. Then in a really smart veteran move, instead of just going down, he he realizes that the guys, you know, both the guys' arms are around him, and he has room to reach out. He reaches out for the for the end zone and gets a touchdown. So um, Griffin had a had a good game as well, and this is why I was saying that he's a solid, you know, backup type guy, and, and he showed why um, in this game against against the uh, the Texans, displaying some smart veteran. Um, you know, moves in the receiving game, breaking tackles, nice hand uh, catches. So uh, he's not an asset in the run game. He he really never will be. He's definitely you know inconsistent there. We'll have a nice block or two, and then the next three or four he'll he'll look really bad. Um, but yeah, it was an impressive outing for for really you know everybody you know on that receiving course. So it's it's it was a positive. Joe, let's shift gears to the defense, and I want to start with the defensive line going into the game. Everybody was down on Leonard Williams, and you could understand why. He hadn't had the type of impact that even people who were his defenders, like you and me and Michael Mania, had said that he had been having over the last couple of years. We weren't seeing it the first few games, but he showed up in a big way, I thought, against the Cowboys, had himself a really nice game. 
And then, of course, the rest of the defensive line played very well. We saw some plays from Foley Fadakasi, and even more so from the number three overall pick, Quinn and Williams, who had that tremendous stuff on that key fourth and two with Dak Prescott. And even Kyle Phillips, the undrafted free agent who played very well, too. I thought the defensive line wilted at points toward the end of the second half. Ezekiel Elliott was starting to gash him a little bit. But overall, I thought this was a strong performance. What did you see when you watched the film? Yeah, they were really impressive. And, you know, part of the reason that in that fourth quarter you had Zeke uh, gashing him a little bit is because the the uh, Cowboys went to some lighter sets and then it spread out the defensive line a little bit more, which created some more rushing lanes. But, uh, yeah, overall, the, the defensive line throughout the game, they had a ton of run stuffs, a ton of big plays, obviously. Um, you know, a couple of those, you know, at third and or the, the third and one uh, early in the second quarter and then the fourth and one, you know, a lot of those guys made nice plays. Fado Kassi splitting double teams, showing some real power to anchor down versus double teams on the interior of the offensive line. Um, you know, McClendon, there's a reason that, you know, he was signed, I believe it was like one year, like right around $3 million on next year. A uh, great leader. He's also a good player. He didn't, you know, get it in a ton on a stat sheet, but holding up guys on double teams and, you know, hump, uh, which is not, it's, it's a hump move. It's, um, so I was going to say humping guys and it sounds screwed up, but uh, throwing hump moves on guys, um, <laughs> you know, creating, uh, you know, uh, resetting the line of scrimmage. It was, it was, you know, he had a good game as well. You know, didn't uh, show up in that stat sheet. Uh, Quinn Williams made an impact shocker, Scott, you know, uh, <laughs> in his third game, um, this time against Zach Martin and Travis Frederick, he was he was shooting gaps, making tackles in the backfield, blowing up runs. It was it was crazy. I thought I thought he was a bust, and he he wasn't going to have any impact like last week, where he actually did make some plays against uh, you know Jason Kelsey and some of the top flight uh, interior guys like uh, Brandon Brooks, I believe his name is the right guard from the Eagles, where he did make an impact, but he wasn't getting sacks. And this 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 game, now everybody's oh my god, Quinn Williams make a ton of plays, and there's a bunch of gifts out there and stuff. Now it's it is crazy how one week changes things, but Quinn. Williams was playing really, really well. Good technique. Um, that one play, uh, I, I believe, I believe it was the play uh, where Dak got the ball in that fourth and two, where it was almost like a QB sweep, uh, design QB run, and he shoots through the B gap, um, and he's controlling the the right tackle, and then you see him using his right hand to deflect multiple guys away from him. A uh, really impressive hand hand usage, lateral ability. Um, scraping down the line of scrimmage, good tackler, smart guy, recognizes schemes. Uh, he was really, really impressed with this game, which, like I said, it's shocking. I thought we should have maybe traded him for a, four, a third or fourth round pick and you know cut our ties, but um, that's good to see. Uh, Leonard Williams, he he probably stood out the least of all these guys, but he he still was was good. Um, he he made a couple of really nice plays, blowing up some guys, holding up some guys as well. They're really working better as a as a unit this game. Um, and you say Kyle Phillips, two, seven tackles, you know, one tackle for loss, a QB hit uh, for an undrafted guy. He's looking really, really good. Um, there are some times where he's taking advantage of, you know, uh, you know, the tackles who, who weren't, um, you know, obviously starting for the, or the tackles who weren't there starting for the Cowboys. You had two backup tackles. So he's taking advantage of the, the backup tackles a little bit. You see him taking advantage of tight ends sometimes, but he's still making some plays. Um, so he's impressive and it's going to be an interesting conversation going into next year, to, depending on what Leo, um, wants to get signed for if you know if he's willing to sign for eight nine ten million a year okay maybe the Jets do it but if he's if he wants to go anywhere higher than that or much higher than that uh, you have Kyle Phillips who's an undrafted guy and you have you know Fado Kasi who's a, a sixth round draft pick of last year who's really really stepping up in, into um, you know a, a solid contributor so yeah those two guys are going to push that money that Leo might get and address offensive line and defensive line so they're in a good position right now where they don't need to sign Leo but if he's willing to to come back here for for a cheaper price and he might get on the open market um, then why not just keep a strength of strength uh, rotating guys in on the defensive line who can play well uh, for a position that's probably one of the most physically exhausting or I would probably actually say the most physically exhausting position to play on the entire football field uh, either defense or offense having a deep rotation is super important on the defensive line so if you have a bunch of these guys stepping up uh, Fado Kossi's making probably a couple hundred thousand dollars Phillips is making next to nothing uh, Q is still making next to nothing McClendon's making three million dollars a year uh, you know can you spend some of that money on Leo it, you know there's a possibility but a lot of these guys stepped up. It was it was really really um, impressive how these guys were playing this game. And you saw how many times you know Dak Prescott was hit. The defensive line was the you know the biggest reason for that. So uh, definitely a very very positive grade for that defensive line. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a sixty game sprint. 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Yo, this secondary is such a mixed bag right now because when I watch them, what I see is Marcus May, who might be playing the best football of his career so far. What I see is Jamal Adams starting to assert himself as the dominant safety that we all know he is. I also see Brian Poole, who has exceeded all expectations in the slot, played very, very well and looked to be a bargain so far and an upgrade over Buster Screen. You and I thought that he was more or less a younger version of Buster Screen, but he's been much better than that so far. But then you look on the outside and you see Tremaine Johnson, who just can't cover anybody. He's never gotten by strictly on his athleticism, but it looks like whatever athleticism he had is completely gone now, and he looks about 10 steps slower than every receiver out there on the field. And then Daryl Roberts, who, let's be honest, should probably be a fourth or fifth cornerback, We know that there's not much that they're going to be able to do down the stretch of the season. When Nate Hairston comes back, hopefully he takes over for Tremaine Johnson, and maybe we'll see if Hairston can be a piece that could be a starting cornerback here on the outside going forward. But it's such a weird mixture in that secondary because when you look at the two safeties who are playing really, really well, when you look at the slot corner who's playing really well, and then you look at the two outside corners who are going to be easy to pick on going forward, especially for guys like Tom Brady and the more accomplished quarterbacks. In fact, I mentioned I was kind of surprised that Prescott and Jason Garrett didn't attack Tremaine Johnson and didn't attack Daryl Roberts more in the early going. Is this what you're seeing when you're watching the film? Are you seeing more or less a tale of two halves of the secondary? Yeah, I think you could just put on repeat what I said last week about the the Eagles game. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, he's absolutely terrible. <laughs> like you said, he he used to have he used to be like an okay athlete, but now he's just an abysmal athlete. Where if he's not perfect with his technique, um, he's going to get beat, and he's been awful with his technique as well. Like I said, you know, not taking read steps, his leverage is too far inside an outside receiver. You know, allowing any uh, break back to the ball or outward break uh, allowed for easy completion. We saw him beat. You know, late in the first half, which led to a 62-yard field goal um, on a crosser, which he opened up his hips too early. Didn't work to stay over top. I see the same thing every time. And a guy broke inside of him. He couldn't catch up. It looked like he was actually looking back at the quarterback too, um, too, uh, too early into catching up um, in that trail position that he was in. So he got beat there. Um, you know, so he he's been awful. Uh, and it's and it's really interesting. You know, and I'll get to the other corners, but looking at this defense and what they're doing with their front, with their front seven, with their defensive line, you know, if they, if they add a corner or two next year, they get Mosley back healthy. I don't know if Avery Williamson get back, but if you added Mosley, Avery Williamson, another starting corner or two and an outside linebacker to this defense, watch, watch out next year because this defense for, um, what it, what it has, you know, in terms of its linebacking core right now, um, you know, through the first four games, you know, or for the first couple of games, uh, they were missing their entire starting linebacking core. They have a bunch of backups playing starter at cornerback. Um, if they get some of those positions filled in this offseason, if Joe Douglas does that, this defense can definitely be scary. Um, but going back to, you know, Roberts, he was beat multiple times this game too. He was beat twice or uh, let's just say three times in the first half where two uh, balls were dropped by the receiver. And then one was called back, which is a big gain, like a 20-yard gain on an illegal formation. So he got beat multiple times. Um, so the two starters look absolutely terrible. And I think Roberts is a, you know, I think he got overpaid. That, that's for sure. That was one of the most surprising contracts we saw from Mike McCagnin this offseason where um, he got paid like, a, you know, a decent number two corner. And that's not what he is. So I, I think he's a good number four, number five, you know, um, a backup outside, you know, guy. I don't think he's, you know, the be- the best backup in the league, but I think you could you could you know pass by with him coming in for maybe ten to fifteen reps a game. But he's definitely not a starter. Uh, he got beat multiple times, and then you have um, Brian Poole, who. I think he got around about four or five million dollars, three, four, five, whatever it was. Um, and he was a guy who was super inconsistent. But this year with the Jets, you know, there there is a snap or two a game, or maybe three a game, where he gets beat and the quarterback doesn't see it, or there's another there's another guy more open because they're playing guys like Roberts and Johnson, where you know if they, he had better guys on the outside, maybe he'd get picked on more. So I think he's definitely been solid um, and has impressed me um, in both pass coverage and obviously, you know, like I reviewed in the in the run game, uh, he plays with his hair on fire he is not afraid of any running back not afraid of any you know offensive lineman 
and it's been showing up um, throughout the last, the, you know, the last couple of weeks. So um, him getting nine tackles and just putting his head down and tackling Zeke one-on-one, things like that. You don't see a lot of cornerbacks doing, especially slot corners. So he's kind of um, a really interesting piece to this defense. And it gives, you know, Greg Williams a, a really, you know, um, interesting, versatile piece because he could, he could tackle like a linebacker, um, but he can also move like a corner. Um, so he's he's definitely really really interesting, and I'm I'm you know hoping that the Jets figure out a way to work out a multi a multi year deal for him. Um, with both him and honestly Greg Williams, I think you know Greg Williams it's been a slight concern that his off or his defenses always start off really uh, hot and then they kind of you know uh, you know kind of work back to the mean. Um, as the season goes on, but starting off hot versus teams like, you know, the Eagles and the Cowboys and all these teams that they're playing and the Browns are, you know, minus that big Odell Beckham catch, um, now going to play teams, you know, in the near future, like the Giants, uh, the Bengals, the Raiders, et cetera, that we've talked about. His defense is going to continue to trend upward, I believe. So I think he's a guy who you might see back here next year, um, which I think would be a positive because the players are obviously responding well to him. Um, and I don't know, I guess we might talk about the safeties in a second, but just in terms of the corners, that's kind of the feel for them. Uh, hopefully Harrison comes back, um, which is probably your best call of the of the offseason, Scott, that the Jets were looking to get him or might look to get him, and they got him. Uh, he's been you know, in, in pressing when he is in the game, so hopefully you'd see – you know, him, uh, you know, coming to the game and, and Johnson hit the bench where a lot of people were questioning why Johnson played last week. And, you know, he had a good practice was the quote, which was ridiculous, but um, it was obviously because, you know, Harrison had, was battling some type of injury that the Jets didn't, you know, disclose. But um, yeah, we want to see him back in there because he's been impressing more than Johnson and Roberts who um, are absolutely terrible. Um, that's another situation I'm really interested to see what happens with Johnson because if they cut him next year, I think it's like 12 million dead and like they save like two or three million. So is he worth two or three million as a backup? Maybe, but at the same time, with such a big contract that they don't want to just cut ties with him and and, and restart and eat that dead cap. It's uh, going to be quite interesting because he clearly just doesn't have it anymore. He's one of the worst starting corners in the NFL, if not the worst. Joe, let's talk a little bit now about Greg Williams and the overall defense. And then of course the linebackers were the last unit that we haven't talked about yet. I want to know what you thought about the performance of these linebackers against the Dallas Cowboys. I thought Cashman was okay in pass coverage. He's struggled a little bit with the run. I think Hewitt's been all right, but obviously you can see the major difference between those two guys and CJ Mosley and Avery Williamson. Jets are not getting Avery Williamson back this season, but they will get C.J. Mosley back. So I think that there will be a huge upgrade there when he comes in. I think Jenkins had a solid game in his first game back. He had a couple of QB hits and a coverage sack. He is what he is, which is a very solid, if unremarkable, outside linebacker. He definitely shouldn't be your best outside linebacker, but if he's your second best, that's okay. And Greg Williams, in general, I thought – did a solid job again in this game. I think he's exceeded my expectations. Some people were expecting miracles from him as a defensive coordinator, but I think the defense has more or less played pretty solid in most of these games, and Greg Williams has found ways to mix and match and play a lot to the strengths of the defense and try to de-emphasize the weaknesses. I think he's largely done a pretty good job of that. Talk to me a little bit about all of that, the linebackers, Greg Williams, and then we can circle back, of course, to the safeties, Jamal Adams and Marcus May. Yeah, um, the the linebackers. I think they've been they've been okay. Um, obviously, for what they are supposed to be, a third and a fourth string linebacker. I think they definitely impressed. But in terms of starting linebacker, that's not necessarily what you um, are looking for. Their play, um, Cashman. Yeah, like you said, he's been solid in coverage. Um, when it comes to the run game, you know, he, he will get misdirected a little bit. He will approach the line of scrimmage too, too early. Um, get blocked out of plays instead of staying patient over top. And, and Hewitt, he's not good in coverage in, in any way. He's, he's definitely a liability in coverage. Um, and in the run game, he's, he's over aggressive at times for sure. Um, there's a few plays I'll bring up in my review of this where he, he was over aggressive. Um, and, and he makes some flashy, you know, hard hits that make people kind of, it inflates their opinion of him. Now, am, am I completely down on Hewitt? No, I'm not. I, I do think now, you know, he's worked his way into being a solid backup linebacker, but I don't think he's a starting linebacker, um, you know, on a, on a, on a, linebacker core that's good um do i think he could go and start for a bad linebacking core uh like kevin mentor starting somewhere right now uh yeah sure but 
Um, he's he's in the best role as a as a backup and a spot guy. You know, maybe you bring him into heavier sets and, and run situations where you just you know, you tell him to penetrate a gap or fill a gap. He'll be good at that because you know asking him, him to think and just use his power um, is definitely something that is is a positive. But yeah, they 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 were the main reason, um, in my opinion, for the kind of how Zeke kind of slaughtered the Jets uh, in the run game. You know, the last uh, you know, quarter or so. Um, the linebackers weren't making a ton of plays. They were getting misdirected. They were getting blocked inside. They weren't making the correct reads. They were approaching the line of scrimmage too early. They were over-aggressive, et cetera. So um, you're definitely going to see a big change when when Mosley comes back because um, he is an elite linebacker in the league. And going from him and, like I said, Avery Williamson, I think is a really solid linebacker in the league, to two backups, it's definitely hurt the Jets' defense. Um, but so they've been okay, but not great as, as, you know, starters per se. Uh, the other linebackers, you know, Basham, I thought had an okay game. There was the one play, um, on, I believe it was, it was actually the DAC play where he had to cut inside of the, the B gap. He set a really nice edge on that tackle. So, um, he had a okay game. He's nothing, you know, he's not a world beater. You look at Jenkins coming back, getting a sack in his, in his first game back. Um, where it's more of a coverage sack, but he still was able to get there. He impressed. He pushed the pocket a little bit, collapsed the pocket. So um, he had a positive game. Um, and in terms of Greg Williams and, and his defense, like I said, they're, they're overachieving. If, if you looked at this roster and you said, okay, you know, would you expect the Jets to be? And I think they're like their DVOA, which is probably the best stat to go by for, for defense. I think they're top 10 or 10 or 11, 12, whatever it is in the league. And if you, you know, if I gave you that stat and said, is it possible with, you know, Mosley out, uh, you know, Williamson out with Jenkins out for many games with Copeland suspended with the starting corners, you know, telling you that they're going to play awfully. Would you expect it? Um, people would say, no, they probably think that we're going to be bottom 10 defense, but, um, Greg Williams has really done a, a great job, um, you know, this season overall. Um, and then a part of that with the rankings and all the stats and stuff like that. Okay. Well, the Jets have, you know, this number against the run and that, um, number against the pass. It, it does come down to the Jets getting blown out pretty early in games. So they just expect runs so they could really, you know, hunker down on it. And the, and the corners aren't getting targeted as much as they might if it was a, you know, a close game. Um, but overall, he's, he's still been impressive with his blitz scheme, sending guys on creeper blitzes where he's sending, you know, four guys, but from unexpected areas instead of sending, you know, uh, a D tackle. Maybe he sends a corner where there's actually a time where uh, Fado Kasi dropped into coverage in a in a hook zone. This this game, which is a different look, which yeah, you know, it might look crazy at times, but then it works. You know, people will tout it as a as a great play. So um, there's some things you have to do with a with a blitz skin that he has. You have to throw some guys into coverage who. Um, might not need to be in coverage, but then you're blitzing a guy who the offensive line wasn't expecting to pick up and he gets there. So it's kind of, you know, a uh, hit or miss type type defense, but it's been hitting more than often than it's been missing. Where last week you see Kyle Phillips, you know, covering Miles Sanders on a wheel route, which doesn't look great. But if that play, you know, whoever blitz there instead of Kyle Phillips gets there, then it looks like a great play. So like I said, it's, it's hit or miss, but like I said, it's been hitting more than it's been missing. That's a positive, especially considering, you know, the defense, uh, the talent that he's, that he's working with right now, which, like I said, working with mostly the entire year with an entire backup linebacking core and a bunch of corners who should be backups. Um, he's definitely, definitely impressed. Except for the safeties. Those guys are as good as it gets right now. Yeah, this is Marcus May's best game. Um, the first game against the Bills, I, I think he was bailed out by, by Josh Allen not being a good quarterback, to be completely honest. And it looked like he was better than he was. Um, but he had a few really nice plays this game. Um, on that third and long, that, that uh, crack toss, um, he was getting into his drop and recognized the play coming before the ball was even in Zeke's hands, closed a lot of ground, uh, and shot it down for like a two, three yard gain, making an open field tackle with Zeke one on one. It's not an easy thing to do, and he's able to do it. Uh, the most impressive play of the game. Uh, which was, it was fantastic. It, it went for like a 16 yard game for the Cowboys. So not a lot of people are going to talk about it, but just individually, Marcus May, um, had a fantastic play where I believe it was a sweep to the right side. Um, they sent some motion to the, to the left side. So the defense kind of bit on it. Marcus May ended up being in the open field with, with a pulling left guard and Zeke, which if I told you this, you know, okay, it's Marcus May versus Zeke and a pulling guard is making to make the tackle. I, I think 10 out of 10 people are going to say, um, you know, no. And Marcus May did a really good job staying over top of it, um, not biting inside or outside too early, which would define Zeke's uh, lane. Uh, he stayed over top, which allowed the guys from inside to catch up a little bit, which is a positive. And he was able to stay square with his hips, shuffle 
um, you know, break inside as Zeke is breaking inside to make the tackle, which if he didn't make a tackle, it's most likely going for, I forget exactly what the yardage was, a 50, 60 yard touchdown, most likely. Um, so really, really impressive touchdown saving play by Marcus May there, making some hard hits. So, um, he's definitely impressed and I, I think he could be a solid, uh, starting, you know, free safety next to Jamal Adams, who is, if not the best safety in NFL, one of the best safeties in NFL, depends on how you want to argue, you know, Derwin James, et cetera, um, in the league right now. But I think right now in the league, he's probably the best. And last week versus the Eagles, he looked very good. Uh, this week, he looked even better. Now, there was a player too, um, where I thought he, he could have played a little bit better. The play, uh, that pick play in the end zone with Witten, um, in my honest opinion, you know, I'm not going to be a Jets homer. Uh, that was a touchdown. I don't think it should have been, uh, you know, ruled as a pick play because the, the receiver ran vertical and, and Jamal Adams ended up running into him and his own guy. The, the receiver didn't really alter his route. So I, I would have liked to see, um, whether it be an automatic switch call from him. And I believe it was Marcus May. I'm on the inside guy. Uh, or sorry, on the outside guy or whoever it was. Um, so they could have played that a little bit better. Or he could have played over top or shot underneath, but he did run into that guy. It was a wide open touchdown. So that's a little bit of a ding for me. Um, but then there's also a play, you know, later in the game where he makes a really nice pass deflection on Witten. Uh, it's called for a flag, which is BS. He was fighting, he was, he was fighting for the ball and there was contact between both guys, but it, it didn't really prohibit. You know, Witten from catching the ball, uh, he made a really, really nice play. He made a couple of nice plays in the run game, shooting gaps. He saw the fourth down where he, uh, he laid a shot on Dak. The third and one, he, he, he was in on the tackle. Uh, we see that third and two where he got past the, the rub route and was able to, uh, make up ground on Jarwin where Jarwin, you know, had the ball in his hands, but because, you know, Jamal Adams smarts to, to bend around, uh, the, the rub and the acceleration that he has, just that natural athleticism that he has, I was able to catch up to Jarwin and then he shot his hand through, um, Jarwin's, you know, hands or, you know, kind of like inside of that, uh, triangle where, you know, obviously the, you have his hands and then the ball. And he shot his hands through there, which allowed Jarwin or didn't allow Jarwin to pull the ball. And it ended up being a pass deflection um, on third and two, which it could have been a completion that he, he made plenty of plays in the run game. He made plays in the passing game. Uh, Jamal Adams is the last two weeks showing his elite form again. I think the first couple of weeks t- uh, teams are spreading out the Jets a little bit and he was in coverage more. So people didn't notice him as much, even though he was playing just as well. So you saw a little bit more of this game because the Cowboys, um, like I said, you know, even before the season, their strength is interior. They're going to try to run the ball on the Jets. That's where the Jets strength is. So I thought it was a good matchup for the Jets and it, sh- and it displayed more of Adams where this week versus the Patriots, might he make a play or two? Yeah, but I think he'll, he'll be a little more quiet this week because the Patriots will try to spread the Jets out a little bit more um, than the team like the Cowboys, you know, did or versus the, or like versus the Eagles where they try to rely on the running game because they have a strong offensive line. So that's why he flashed more. So if he's going to, you know, be a little bit more quiet of a spread team. Let's understand that's why, because he's in coverage more. But uh, yeah, he was he he was elite. Marcus May was really really good, and this is a pairing um, at safety that could be one of the best in the NFL um, going forward. You have to hope that Marcus May is it continues to be healthy. But um, they got a huge uh, thumbs up this game for sure. This was easily the most fun edition of XNL Quick Hits so far this season. And if you want to continue the fun, I strongly suggest you head over to our YouTube channel, turn on the Jets TV. And watch Joe's full film review because he is going to have all of this broken down in video form. As he said, he was so excited about Donald, it could be three or four hours worth of film. So head over there right now. If you're not a subscriber, subscribe, turn on the Jets TV, watch Joe's full film review. Make sure that you're following him on Twitter as well because he posts a lot of this on his Twitter. You can watch a lot of the individual plays on there. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com.